Welcome to the Gymnasio Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnasio has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Kobliska, the Director of Programming here at Gymnazo, and I've got an awesome guest with me here today. Uh, I feel like I've known him for years, and I just went through a Taiji Fundamentals of Movement workshop with him and a few of our Gymnazo athletes, and I'm really excited to kind of dive into essentially his movement history, his training history, where he's been in his life, and how he sees uh, his journey and how he helps others along their journey as well. He's a native of Visalia, California. Sonny has been a practitioner of Chinese martial arts and Qigong for over 20 years. Training and competition has taken him around the world, including over eight years living and training full-time in Beijing, China. Sonny trains and teaches the internal martial arts system of Tai Ji Xuan. I'm going to butcher some of these words, so (laughs) please fix me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Xing Yi Quan and Bagua, as well as Praying Mantis Kung Fu, Chinese Wrestling, which is also known as uh, Shui Jiao, and Qigong. This diverse practice has helped him to better understand the fundamental principles of movement behind these arts. It's his belief that to truly move to your greatest potential, your practice must take you inward as well as outward. Fluent in Chinese, English, and human, Sunny's passion is presenting the art in an accessible, joyful, and practical way as possible. Sonny currently teaches out of the yoga and martial arts school he found with his wife um, over at Sequoia Kung Fu and Yoga, located in Visalia. He, has also, uh, he also teaches workshops regularly across the states and worldwide. So it was a pleasure to uh, be a part of that workshop and just to participate because I've only read and moved. I've never actually learned from somebody who's been doing this for years. So to kick this off, Sonny, welcome, welcome, man. I'm super, super stoked to have you, and uh, we're going to dive in deep. And I want to start with just uh, how would you define your current movement lifestyle practice, um, and maybe go into a little bit of history of, of how it's evolved? Yeah, sure. I just also want to preface that my, my English is pretty decent, uh, my Chinese is okay, and human is definitely a work in progress, <laughs> as I'm trying to learn that language for sure. Um, Let's see, right now I would describe my movement practice, and actually this is uh, something I've been telling my students this summer, um, is uh, slow and often. That's my movement practice right now. I'm trying to move really slow and move really often because um, I think it's a tendency, everybody's tendency is to, is to go faster, go harder, go stronger, right? And so sometimes you gotta, you gotta um, look at your tendencies and change direction. Right. So, you know, if my if everything's telling me, oh, it's summer, it's hot, it's open up, I want to get out there and do stuff. It's like, well, OK, well, let me take it slow, but let me just do it often. Right. And see where where things go. 
Um, this has not always been the case <laughs> for my movement practice. This is definitely a new, a new take on it. Um, I, before that, it was very uh, go, go, go. You know, If you do 20, I'm going to do 40. If you train four hours, I'm going to train six hours. And uh, I still do do that, but I just go the opposite direction now. I just try to make it, uh, you know, can I relax harder? <laughs> What's, uh, how do you decide where to go? Like you say, I'm going to change direction. So I'm, I st- you still go to those hard bouts of training here and there? Yeah. Or do you completely steer yourself more towards the relaxed side or that, that uh, calmer side and more subtle state in your training? Well, you know, you, you always got to look at both sides of your training, right? We were talking about this earlier in the seminar. Like it's almost like the yin and yang of your training. If you're going to train hard, you got to train soft. You can train things that have combinations of these, right? You can train things that like, you know, yoga that are times where you're relaxing, but also engaging. You can train um, so it's kind of pretty even. You can do something that's a little harder, like just lifting weights, but then you might have to balance it out with something softer. So you really have to look at your um, judgment in training, your preferences in training, because the preferences, and that's where you start. Everybody starts from their preferences. And that's where you should start. You know, like if you start from where you don't want to be, I mean, that's no fun. You know what I mean? Like that's, um, and some people do that too, because they, that's the whole no pain, no gain, but that doesn't necessarily last very long either, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, look where you start, look what feels good, look what you enjoy doing, but don't forget to look the opposite direction and look at what are the things you're not doing, right? What are the aspects of your movement, the aspects of your training that, you know, you're ignoring? Because some of the things that you ignore the most or that you that you maybe push against the most, maybe that's exactly where you need to be, right? If it's If you're somebody who works out hard all the time and just lifts weights and you think, uh, you know, meditation is, is, is not for me, or I could never do that, or, or you know, you guess what? You probably got to meditate. <laughs> that's probably... Find balance. My right, God. right. That's going to that's gonna be really beneficial for you, because if, if you kind of have neutral feelings on meditation, well, you probably will get a neutral result from meditation. If you have strong feelings about it, either positive or negative, well, you're probably going to get a strong result from it. Hmm. The judgment of whether it's good or bad or right or wrong is really arbitrary, because, you know... We, we use those judgments all the time about things that don't have that sort of attribute to them. Like, you know, uh, a movement, good and bad, does not give you really any information. You know, it's just a movement, not a, like not an ethics class. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you want to look at how are you moving? How are you using these elements? How are you? And, and so when you do that, it allows you to look at different parts of your practice. You know, it allows you when you start to remove the judgment or at least question your judgment, That'll oftentimes point you in the right direction, you know? And the reverse is true. If all you do is meditate and soft practices and, you know, go for long walks on the beach every day, which is awesome. Well, you know what? You should probably go do a little something a little harder every once in a while as well. You know, maybe go on a harder hike or lift some weights or something. You know, balance it out. Always trying to find that harmony in in your practice and your and your movement. Do you find this is something I found personally? Um I've I started out in that route of going hard, getting after it, getting the reps. It's all about progressive overload and going faster. And I made great gains. And I also experienced discomforts and having to take time off because of injuries. And then I found meditation and mm-hmm. yoga and uh, another other softening practices that focus more inward. So it was more of a working in versus working out. And 
initially going into that working in mode was super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was because I denied it so often. I was going to that soft practice and going like, okay, that's enough. Like, but I wasn't actually, it wasn't actually enough. You know, never, there's never really enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always enough. It's just kind of where your perspective is in it. And so when I started the softening practice, I was like, oh, I'll just put this much time in it. And then I realized I was stopping myself from going deeper into that realm because I got uncomfortable with doing almost nothing. I felt like I wasn't making progress like I was when I was making active progress going heavier. I was making gains, you know, on trail runs, getting a little bit faster every time. And I was like, this is it. This is where the progress is. How would you describe somebody going to that softening practice? And is there a way to get better at it? Like, how do you define that? Is it because you can do it longer? Is it because you realize the difference between your softening and your hardening? How would you describe a progression similar to um, that young side or kind of that, that harder, that push, if I'm saying that right, right. versus how do, you, how do you measure success and your gains in that soft side? That's, that's a really good point. So, um, you know, you can use this idea of yin and yang. And like, you know, yin and yang are really just very functional terms. They get, they get used like, you know, and they give all, they've been given all these mysterious things, you know, like are these different attributes. Yin is passive, yang is active, and yin is feminine, and yang is masculine. And you can use those attributes f- as a tool as well, but first we just want to kind of look at it as duality, opposite sides, right? So we have hard and fast, or hard and soft, fast and slow, in and out, active, passive, right? Engage, release. So when we look at it in that term, then we understand that we want to practice those different aspects as in as many different ways possible. But you're right. You need a sort of path, right? Because so first thing is you need to define where you start, right? You need something, right? This is kind of um, in the seminar we talked about this sort of uh, one way these elements can line up. Wuji, Peng, Yin Yang, Tai Ji, right? Which is this sort of sequence. And these elements can be put in many, many different sequences. Wuji, nothing. Uh, Peng, something, right? Yin Yang, two things. Taiji, all things are going beyond the need to even define things is another way to say it. So how do you use this? Well, first thing you have to decide is where are you right now? You need to go from nothing to something, okay? You know, are you, if you're looking at it in terms of movement, is my movement hard or soft, okay? Is my movement slow or fast? Does it feel coordinated or uncoordinated? And start to define some elements, Okay? The sensation, the awareness that you're having. Does it feel tight? Does it feel loose? Wherever. But you got to start somewhere. Then once you've defined that element, as soon as you define that element, as soon as you define the yin or the yang of it, then the opposite automatically occurs. So if you define that, oh, you know what? This, my muscles feel tight when I do this. So what do you need to work on now? Loosening. Okay? Mm. Oh, I feel a little soft in this area when I practice this movement. So what do you need to work on? Engaging. Okay? And oh, my, my, my posture's all off. Work on your posture, right? It, it becomes almost so logical that, you, like you said, you don't necessarily feel smarter for knowing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some things you learn, you learn like science stuff, going deeper. This is another aspect of going deeper, right? In the body, we go deeper. Sometimes in the mind, we got to go a little shallow, right? If you go deeper into science, things get super complicated. But instead, why don't you go a little shallow into it and just be like, you know, oh, if you're hard, you got to go soft. <laughs> it seems so simple. <laughs> you know? And so what happens is, is like sometimes knowing a simple concept 
fully, knowing it inside and out, mentally and physically, that is the hardest work. And it's all of those complex systems, complex directions are actually in service of teaching you a very simple concept. And so getting back to that very simple concept, that's the path, right? And so you start off hard. So you work on softening. Probably what happens, you probably go too far. Or you don't go far enough, right? Mm. One of those others. It's got to be one or the other. It's got to be one or the other. You're not going to go just right, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody gets the Goldilocks right off the back. You know what I mean? You got to try a few bowls of porridge first, right? <laughs> and so, you know, you're going to go too soft. And so then you're going to bounce back and you're going to go into something a little harder for a while. And then you're probably going to go too hard again. And then you're going to go into soft. And eventually, it's like, you know, it's like sending a, a ball down a path that's getting, you know, that starts off maybe a little hectic and cramped but then gets wider and then more narrow and then smoother until it's just flowing along nice and easy, right? And so this is kind of the idea that, you know, you, you're going to bounce in first. You're going to define where you're at. You're going to go explore the opposite. And you're going to, that's going to change. The more you learn about its opposite, that's going to inform you about where you started. So you go back to where you started and do that again. And then maybe something changes and you do something that's a combination of the two, you know? And so you start to see how they harmonize. And then eventually it gets really confusing and you're like, well, man, I'm, you're like, I'm doing all these weird stuff. And it's really doesn't feel weird to you at all because it's, it's just balanced, right? You do kettlebells, but also meditate or, you know, you go, you know, I don't know, like drive motocross and do yoga. You know, we see those things and we think, man, that's, that's kind of a weird paradox, but it makes perfect sense to me. You know? It seems like a constant process of refining and just softening the edges, but also like yeah. sharpening some points and it's lines, it's spirals, it's diagonals, it's angles, it's all of the above. It's, it's a perfect circle. Yep. But uh, I think you said it really well is that where, you know, if you're looking at a circle, where does the circle start and where does it end? Mm-hmm. For you, your process of discovering kind of your balance and going too hard or too soft or finding that, where in your life or when in your life did you start to realize that you need to shift gears and it was very tangible to you? I mean, was, uh, there, was it an injury? Was it uh, some kind of sensation you felt, a visionary experience? What was, what was that thing that kind of helped you like, oh, I have something to understand what's going on here? Yeah. Um, well, what time is it right now? Like, I sh- I'm shifting gears at all times. <laughs> so I just, the last time I shifted was a second ago. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, well, you know, like, there's going to be, uh, the way I look at it is like, you know, as, as life goes on, there's a natural ebb and flow. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of what you do, you're going to experience highs, you're going to experience lows, losses, successes, failures, you know, these are going to happen. Some are going to be large and some are going to be small. Some are going to be large for you that, but appear small to others and, and vice versa. And so, you know, like, when these happen, whenever something happens and, like, you have either a, a, a big high or a big low, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity to, for change, right? Because you can, this is when you can kind of step into the process a little bit and push it in the direction you want, you know? And sometimes we're not aware of it, and so we're just kind of caught in the motion instead of steering it a little bit. You know, if we fight against it too much, then... then chaos can happen. You know what I mean? But if you, you know, we say, uh, don't insist and don't resist. You know what I mean? So you kind of just nudge it in the right direction. And so when you have a really big high, you can nudge it in a direct, certain direction. When you have a really big low, you can nudge it in direction. And so, you know, for me, it was about injuries. You know, it's been a lot of injuries for me. Um, subtle injuries, injuries that like didn't seem like injuries, you know, injuries that seemed like, well, this is just the way my body is now because I'm getting older, because I'm getting, 
uh, a little tighter. Things are not as, you know, things are not as uh, easy as they used to be, right? This is a story that everybody tells themselves and we accept it to be true. And because we accept it to be true, it shapes the way we perceive things. And it makes it easier for us to accept things, right? And ignore things. And so, but, you know, eventually my body kept trying to tell me, it kept getting injured easier and easier. I had these chronic issues that were stemmed some from acute injuries, almost all of these dealing with my spine and the joints of my um, hips and to a lesser extent, shoulders and, and, and neck. And as you know, time goes on, you keep training and keep doing stuff. And those, those issues just get exacerbated because, you know, you're feeding your strengths, but you're also always feeding your weaknesses. You don't realize that, but you are. And eventually, if you just keep doing the same thing, if you don't check your judgments and preferences, you're going to be feeding those weaknesses a lot more than you're feeding your strengths for less and less with putting, having to put more and more effort in just to feed it just a little bit. Right. And so that's kind of what was happening to me. Um, but some of these issues were so deep in my body, you know, cause no, no injury happens out of nowhere. It feels like it, but there's always something that came before, you know? So I had some alignment issues from when I was a kid, you know, just, and some things that I was predisposed to have muscles bunched up, um, and my, basically I had a predisposition for the muscles around my pelvis to bunch up to stabilize the pelvis rather than flow through. So rather than sort of flow down the middle of my body, I had a predisposition to kind of have bands of tension wrapping around my belly button, head of the iliac crest, and then right below the pelvic bone to sort of stabilize that structure. And so mm -hmm. because of that, and I mean, this is when I was a kid, we used to talk about the, the, the man in pooch, which is, <laughs> you know, when you're like, when you have, when you're like belly button sticks out a little further, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's just a little pooch, you know, yeah. but really that was a muscle that was tightened up, stabilizing my lower body. And then I had a little bit of a round in my back, but the round in my back because was because the vertebrae was out of alignment because the vertebrae in my neck was a lot of alignment, but a little bit of a round in the back actually is very good for you athletically, you know, like in the beginning, cause you have to be round, you have to bring your back into it. So like that dysfunction actually in the beginning was a positive for me. It made me really athletic. The bunched up motion in my hips also made me very fast because there's all this pent up tension in my hips. And so they worked really well for a long time. I could jump really high when I played basketball, I could run really fast. But once eventually you feed your weaknesses more, right? So the muscles that should have been working were not, and they just got weaker and weaker. And then I start practicing Tai Chi. I start getting into these arts because I was drawn to them because I grew up as a physical person. I grew up as a very physical person and that the world can be experienced physically and you can learn and grow as an individual physically. This was in Western sports, you know? And I was lucky that my father who was an athlete wasn't one of those people who, he was an athlete and a coach, but his focus was always on skill development, personal development, not on winning, right? And that was what was good because I realized very early on that what I liked about, I liked competition, but what I really liked was just that process working out, you know? And for me, it was basketball. But I also knew that, you know, in those Western sports, it's like some, you know, young adult dystopian novel where you're just getting cold from the herd as time goes on, you know? You're yeah. like, you're like, how old are you? 11? Sorry, you're not good enough. <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> Awakening for your life. <laughs> Sorry, the rest of you, you're not, this is not going to be you. 
You know what I mean? You had your chance at 11, but this is not going to be Go you. find something yeah, else. Go find something else, buddy. You know? And so, <laughs> so you know, like at every level, you're just getting cold. From, and, then, and, and so I thought, and then my peak is going to be when I'm like 24 or 25. Like that's going to be the best. And then it's going to be a slow descent into like, you know, you know, be one of those guys trying to play basketball at the park with like, you know, three knee braces, even though I only got two knees, you know, kind of thing. And, and, um, and so I didn't want that. I just knew that wasn't the way, you know? And so... I was into Chinese martial arts. I, I, I was, um, I hadn't practiced it yet, but I was, I wanted to, it was the philosophy actually. It was the philosophy and something about the movement that really pulled me in. It wasn't the martial side. I never really cared about being the, like the biggest, baddest dude in the block. And I'm definitely not, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I do train that aspect of it just because it, it informs everything, you know? But, so when I got into it, it just brought me in. I was like, this is something different. This is something new. This is something like, I'm not good at it. <laughs> you know, like, like I was, you know, I was at the pinnacle, right? And I'm not good at it. You know, like I was at pinnacle of, of, of what I thought was my athleticism. And then I realized, no, you're not. You actually kind of suck a little bit. You can't even hold this stance. You can't stand in one spot for a long time without getting antsy. You know, like you kick and things hurt. Like you need to reevaluate. That's so when that, they kick you out of Tai Chi, right? They said, "All right, right. this is in for you, buddy." <laughs> yeah, right. This is, sorry, you know, like you know, like uh, you. Um, and so, like I was, I was, uh, I started down this path. And so, by starting down this path, already that was the point where I put these dysfunctions in my body and what I was trying to do with my body on a crash on a collision course. And who knows when it was going to happen, but it was going to happen. I was drawn to these softening practices, which is what I needed to soften the body so that I can open it up and fix these issues that I had. But my preferences and my judgment, I still wanted to go hard. I wanted to experience things physically, so I still went hard. That's why I would do Tai Chi, and I would also go do Praying Mantis, which is a harder style, or I would go do like Bagua, which is kind of a soft sister style of Tai Chi, but can also be hard, and then go do Chinese wrestling, where you can slam people on the ground. And so... I'm just feeding both sides of this as much like over and over again. And they're just heading towards one another without me knowing it. Hmm. And so that's what happened. My back goes out, like just like the same story that everybody has, you know? And um, you're like, why did this go out? I feel really strong. Like wake up one morning yeah. and there goes you know, the back. You know, like, you know, it was like it started in my late 30s and I, I used to joke. It's like, you know, you know you're in your late 30s or early 40s when you can go and like work out for three hours and then pull a muscle putting your shoes on. You know, and, and that's got it. And, and we just accept it, but really, and I accepted it too. And so it just kept happening, but I kept, then I thought, you know what? I got to fix this. I got to focus on it. So I just keep doing my practice. I keep doing my, my Qigong. I keep doing Tai Chi. I keep doing everything else. I start getting into like more, you know, uh, integrating one aspect of the arts to the other. Right before that, I had trained everything pretty compartmentalized, you know, like really trying to distill the essence of each one. And then I'm now, now I'm kind of like a mad scientist, like you know, pouring them all together, trying to figure out, well, how does this soft meditation help me in my Chinese wrestling where I throw people on the ground? You know, I'm imagining you sitting in a dark room, <laughs> lights on you, and beakers with words on them. There's nothing in the beaker, but you're fake pouring them out. Yeah, yeah. And now I and now I'm totally gonna do that in my mind too. Next time I'm thinking about this, right? Get my little. They have a little mad scientist laboratory in my Zen garden. I have found mind. it. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you know, like, um, as this is heading more and more towards each other, you know, like it starts happening more often. I, my back goes out, and then it was about like eight months ago. Um, my back went out. Uh, I was in a car accident, actually, you know, and like a, I just got rear-ended from behind. I didn't feel that bad when it happened, you know, just a little tight in my hip. You know, no big deal. I'll walk it off. I even joked, you know, like, oh, I've been thrown worse than this in practice. And I had. It wasn't mm -hmm. even a lie, you know. 
but it was like the, literally the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, like I went into, um, the, uh, about a week later I woke up, couldn't walk. My whole right side had seized up. I was like being pulled from my shoulder to my hip. My whole right side was just being compressed in and I couldn't like, you know, I couldn't barely walk. I had to like pull myself out of bed. A whole, everything was seized up. I couldn't move. I couldn't crawl. I could barely lay there, you know? Mm. And so it was quite painful, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and it happened, it happened before, but never to this extent and never with this sort of delay, you know? And so I, I tried to wait it out. You know, I would spend, you know, like I just spent the whole like three or four days on the floor. I tried to like, you know, I'd have to sit there and like massage and do breathing exercises just to be able like for like an hour, just to be able to get up for five minutes and walk. And then it would pull me back down. Finally, I sucked it up and went and got muscle relaxers. And I was like, give me some drugs. Well, you're, dude, when you're you in pain, the one thing you want to yeah. do is get out of that pain. Yeah. As easy, you know? as fast as possible. Yeah. And so, you know, like I went there and I got the muscle relaxers. It gave me some space. I got a, I got a, uh, uh, an x-ray and they're like, oh, you know, all your discs are fine. Okay. All right. And then I went and saw one chiropractor and they're like, oh, you got a little, it's a little off, but it doesn't look too bad. And I'm like, thanks. I'm in tremendous pain. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel not bad. This feels really bad. You know? So I finally just told myself there's something wrong. I'm going to figure it out. And mm -hmm. so I just started, I, I shifted my entire practice. I started doing almost all breath. I started off, you know, I couldn't do anything. So I was like, I would just do self massage, meditation, breath work, and then uh, until I could get up. And then I would walk and do mindful walking. And then I would, uh, and things started moving and started, and I would, then I started incorporating some gentle stretching from yoga, you know? I always tell my students, no stone left unturned, you know? If it's useful, use it. Don't be locked into one methodology, right? And so then things started opening up and things started changing, you know? And then I had a shift too. Being like a, 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 like a, a martial arts person, I'm just like, I don't need anybody. I can do it. You know, what do you, what do you right. need me to do? I can do it. <laughs> like, you need me to move that fridge? I'll do it by myself. No big deal. You, you, you rest. I'll do it, you know? And so, but finally I was like, okay, well, there's another judgment. You know, there's another mm -hmm. preference. Let me, let me see. I'm going to do acupuncture. And I, and I just chose that randomly because I'd actually never been that much into acupuncture. Even though I did all these arts, it's never been very effective to me. It was something that... I just wasn't into. And so I thought, well, I need to change, question my judgments, you know? So what's maybe the least likely thing I'll do? Acupuncture. So I'll go try it. And um, huge impact, right? Like things opened up. And that gave me a different awareness of what was going on in my body. Like I didn't have this awareness. I thought I had a deep awareness, um, but I didn't, you know? I had a deep understanding of, understanding of motion, I had a deep understanding of the forces passing through my body and how to create forces passing through my body. But the lines of my body were completely crisscrossed because you have to experience those lines. People can tell you where they're at and you can be like, oh yeah, I get it. You know, oh yeah, I'm standing up straight. But until you experience that you're not, you won't accept that you are. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, like there's, you're, there's always going to be something going on, you know, like there's always something going on in the body that you have to like face, you know, and deal with. And so then I went and saw another chiropractor and they had, and that chiropractor was like, you're messed up. <laughs> and I'm like, I am. And I'm Thanks. like, and I'm like, you're right. And like, you know, uh, a, a year before, if you'd have told me you're messed up, I'd have been like, no, I'm not. I do Kung Fu. You know, like I do Kung Fu and Tai Chi. I'm not messed up. I'm not supposed to be too messed up. I'm supposed to be the one who's not messed up. People come to me to get unmessed up. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm like, uh, um, but at that point, I was kind of like still wobbling around. I was still off. I, you know, I still like didn't have like 
everything was still hurting. And I'm like, you're right, I am messed up. I can't deny it. He cracked me in all these different places. All of a sudden, I felt a little glimpse of what it was supposed to feel like, and everything just clicked. And I was like, all right, there's the deep work. You know, hmm. I got to go in. Everything's in alignment now. I got to figure it out. And so it's just been a constant process of like going in, breath work, deepening it, sometimes like six, eight hours a day, you know, and it's been incredibly transformational. It's like deepened my understanding of my art, of the arts that I practice like quite a lot because I had to go the op opposite direction and I had to uh, start to integrate things and see the connections. Something, yeah, that's, man, that story, I could listen to you for hours, man, <laughs> seriously. I hope, I hope I, all of our listeners like took that to heart because that's a, that's a full storyline there. Um, something you have on your website for your uh, Sequoia Kung Fu said something, I think it was results for anyone, there's results for anyone willing to put in the work and time. Yeah. And something you'd shared is that you had an opening, there was a release, there's some space, there was a glimpse of something, um, of room to move, of, mm -hmm. of a space to improve. And first it came from maybe just breathing, slowing down, softening, then it was acupuncture and opened up a new sensation. Then meeting a chiropractor that then realigns you in a way that now, oh, this, this is something yeah. I can find that will last. But I think where a lot of people run into hiccups is they feel better leaving an acupuncture session or a chiropractic session and going, I'm better. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you can feel better for quite a long time afterwards yep. um, beyond those sessions, depending on how acute, acute or chronic your dysfunction may be. But the fact that you came out of there going, I glimpsed this sense of center or sense mm -hmm. of balance or sense of unity and coherence internally, as well as externally, I can move with more freedom. I'm assuming that's kind of what it, mm -hmm. what it opened up, is that now how do I maintain this? There's that secondary, now the work really begins because yep. now I've sensed where I could be as my identity. Mm -hmm. I right? identified as one way to be. And it's that go get after it, I'm going to do the hard stuff because yeah. that's what I know. And that's the identity that I built, especially at a young age too. You go through the, mm -hmm. the whole Western sports realm of elementary school through, high, through middle school, high school, and then maybe even into college. And yeah. that is what you know. And I run into so many people who come into our facility who have that background. And now they're in their 40s and 50s and they're going, yeah, I've been doing the same kind of workouts that I've been doing in high school. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's, that's good you're doing something. That's better than, well, I don't know if it's better than doing nothing now after talking to you. Yeah. Like, nothing is pretty damn good. <laughs> but, you, you know, never, you never know. <laughs> I had never changed or branched the opposite way. Right. And to make that like internal decision, like, oh, yeah, acupuncture is not something I would do. I'm going to go do it. That's not just an easy like transition. That's something you got to recognize within yeah. yourself. So what in that process of now saying, and maybe it was just something naturally to you as you went through martial arts saying like instilling some of these values and understandings of there's a spectrum and not mm -hmm. one better than the other. Right. It's not black and black or white. It's black and white and everything in between. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think it is, especially if somebody's struggling with making that choice of doing something that's outside of their comfort zone or even more so, it's mm -hmm. not even a comfort zone thing. It's just I don't want to be judged more so myself judging myself for right. doing something different. What do you think it is that you were able to come to terms with or have a conversation internally with yourself saying, no, you're going to do this? Like, what right. was that process like when you decided to go do acupuncture? And then it worked. Like, did you go like, <laughs> my God, I've been wrong all along. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what uh, was it's, it? it's like you have to have a really good sense of humor about yourself. Like, you know, I, like I, I often say that I take these practices really seriously, but I do not take myself seriously at all. And that's the balance, right? Mm. You can't take them both seriously because that's not balanced, right? And you can't take them both unseriously because that's not balanced either, right? So, you know, you have to be able to, like, look at that situation and go, 
well, why didn't I figure this out earlier? And just kind of go, huh, all right, you know, good job. Like, you know, kind of be like, you know, like kind of just so like not really self-effacing, accept it, let it pass through you, find humor or joy in the experience, right? That's kind of what it means. That's self-effacing humor, that gallows humor kind of thing, you know? What it is, it's like you're not resisting the experience. You let it pass through you. You accept it. Find joy in it, right? The, and that's not easy, even though it sounds easy, right? You can, you can say it in simple words, but it's not a simple process until yeah. it is a simple process, right? Until it is a simple process. And so how do you do that? Well, this, you know, I, I touched on it a little bit in the seminar, the fact that these principles are universal principles. That's the whole idea, Right? They're true on the physical realm. They're true in the mental, emotional, spiritual. The physical realm allows us to have a very unique sense of knowing because we can know it physically and mentally at the same time, right? And that's when everything sort of comes into harmony. If, you know, if somebody says, you know, a physical concept of like, you know, if you relax and really sink into the ground and you're going to feel more stable. You can know that in the mind. And then if somebody says, then you figure out how to relax and somebody pushes on your shoulder and you feel stable. Now you know it in the body and you connect those two together. And it's, it's about as real as it gets. It's almost something. instantaneous. Like it's, you feel it now, you know, it. it's a saying we well, use often. We're, we're going to, when you have it, when you have a, and this is going to get trippy, but that's okay. Like when you, this is the way I look at it. When you have that connection between mind and body, it happens almost outside of space and time. So you have this feeling of remembering, not of learning. It's almost like it hits you at such a deep level and locks in. You forget what it was like before you knew that. Or when you think about before you knew it, it's as if you're viewing somebody that's not you or viewing, right? And this is like, and we all have these experiences, you know, before, you know, uh, we can start really shallow, even though to me, this is also really deep, you know, before I got my dog <laughs> and then after I got my dog, you know what I mean? Like that's a fundamental change, you know, before you meet your partner, after you meet your partner, before you lose a loved one, after you leave, use a loved one, you feel these so deeply that hmm. it makes a really big fundamental change. Right. So, you know, learning these concepts at that level helps you to sort of find your center. And I guess this is kind of getting where I wanted to get with it, you know? Once you find your center, you, you're, not, you're not pulled with the other motions of the body, right? The motions of stress, the motions of emotion, the motions of your thought. If you don't have your center and you're just pulled with everything, then when, you are, when you're angry, you, you identify as an angry person, not a person feeling angry, right? Mm -hmm. When you feel stupid about something that you don't know about, because we're all stupid about some stuff, right? Then you feel like you're a stupid person, not a person who just doesn't know this one thing, you know? And so when that happens, you're, you move, your center moves anywhere that you're, you're, these other motions of the body go, right? So through these centering practices, standing practice, like we do in our seminars, moving practice where it's about softening and letting go and finding that empty space, because empty space really is just a softness. You can't feel emptiness. When you, what you feel is nothing. You feel a softness and a release. And so when, the so when you're soft and released where there's nothing, that's your center because that's where all things can pass through without it being taken along with it. You can choose when you want to go with it when you don't. Just like when we did the drill today where you kind of push on people's shoulders and you learn either how to ignore it or to go with it completely, right? So now when you're having these experiences of... of that come from your preferences, judgments of like, you know, oh, I, I don't want to do acupuncture. And so if I decide to go do it, it means I'm going to have to, 
I'm going to have to change my mind. <laughs> you know, I might have to reevaluate my choices. I might have to admit I'm wrong. I might have to, I might be different. You know what I mean? And so that's hard, but it's what allows you to separate yourself from those things and find your center. You might go do acupuncture and be like, yeah, I was right. It does kind of, it is, I don't really like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at least you know, you know, and, yeah, then, and you might actually, experience. and you might actually have to revisit it again at a later time. You know what I mean? And like, because it has to be repetitive. You said earlier, refinement of the process. It's always a refinement of the process. There is infinite number of processes, but it's really just one process. And you just got to keep doing it, you know? And then, and, and I guess a lot of the work is just figuring out what that process is. <laughs> yeah, there's, especially, you know? I mean, we deal with it in the fitness yeah. industry. There's a lot of different uh-huh. um, protocols and methods and movement styles. They're like, this is the one way to do the thing that you want to do. And totally. yeah. it may work for a lot of people, but not for everybody. Because everybody has their own process and their own way. And their mm-hmm. own way to get where they were today, right? Yeah. They have different backgrounds, different judgments, different uh, yep. different biases, and it could be just in how they see life, how they move through life, or how they even view their body and other people in comparison to them. Totally. Um, something so profound, I think, is that it, you said that mind-body connection, that mind and physical connection, like you feel it, you're thinking about it, and it's that process of remembering. And how, I mean, when I've experienced this, I compare it to like, okay, there's point A and point B in time, like right. there's now. No. And there's now. Right. Okay. So in that space from when I said now to now, <laughs> right, there right. was time that passed, yeah. right? And by by softening and by hardening, depending on where you are, are in that in that time frame, how hard are you, how soft are you? If you can come back to that center space, it's almost as if that time goes on forever. Mm. And it's like we're always in the process of finding that center because if we were there, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> right. We're having this conversation because we are all outside of that center space. We get to discover and explore and (laughs) pretend and play in this space. But it's it's this constant um, shifting of equilibrium. And I think just that process of recognizing how I felt it, I experienced it, I have thoughts about it. It does feel so familiar. Like this is a familiar space that I feel like I haven't visited in in a long time. It's almost like, for me, it's almost like I felt like lifetimes before I felt that, you know? And then it hits and it's like, wow, I feel like I've experienced this hundreds of years ago. <laughs> but then having that thought, it's like, where did that thought come from, yeah. you know? And you're in this constant, yeah. like, reverberation like, of like, ah, and you're like, am I, I'm in the void, you know? Am I, cra- am I crazy? <laughs> I must be crazy. Probably a If I'm bit. having this thought, I couldn't be crazy. Though. Probably a little bit. I'm not crazy. You know, like, um, I, yeah, it's, kind of, it's you're, you're, you're right. You know, you're talking about, like, you can't be in that moment all the time because then you wouldn't be able to do anything else. You know, I, I was joking around with my... Um, massage therapist who's awesome i was like saying i was like yeah you know like you know if you she likes to do a sound bowl which is amazing you know i'm like okay you know i don't know if i'm gonna do the sound bowl today because like it was so powerful last time and if i like you know astrally project that in my body this afternoon it's gonna be really inconvenient i gotta go to the grocery store i gotta feed the dog you know i got a class to teach tonight like you know i'm gonna save the you know the this the the multi-dimensional, you know, astral projection for when I have time. (laughs) (laughs) Go into that too, because I think that's such a, like we talk about it, like it's just like uh, whatever, but I think it's a, it's a fun concept to dive into because we do have this life and we do have a timeline and we're Mm -hmm. not going to necessarily live forever in this body. It's a temporary thing, depending on what you believe, but we know that death is inevitable Mm -hmm. to some extent of just, we leave this body. Um, 
when you're in that setting of like, I'm going to restore myself and I realize that this thing has so much power and I would love to just dive into this, but I don't have time mm. to go that deep because I'm worried, you know, is it a worry of what's going to happen after? Is it, I have places to be in this space and time? For sure. Like what's, what's that experience like in that conversation like for you? Because I know me, it's different for all of us. For me, it's like, yeah, it's a constant, um, it's a constant like, you know, inner monologue. Well, not all, not a constant, but I'll do ask myself, it's like, you know, is this necessary? <laughs> you know, do I need to do all this? Like, you know, because you get, uh, you get into a certain cycle. It's like, we, we, I use the analogy of like the junk drawer or the junk room in your house. You know what I mean? The brain is, the brain is, a, is, a, is a confidence machine. Somebody said that, you know, I can't remember who it is, but somebody said it. The brain's job is to give you answers. The brain will give you answers and, it's, and, and be confident about them. It's not necessarily right answers. It doesn't care about right or wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me. It just wants to give you answers. And it'll give you answers with as little information as possible, right? You give it, it'll catch one little sensation in the body and go bad, you know, or, or yeah. go wrong, you know? And so because of that, you know, you have to be really mindful of what the brain is, what the brain is telling you. You know, you have to be able to sort of like step back and be like, well, okay, you know, um, maybe I don't necessarily speak the language of the body very well. You know, this is something I kind of will say, you know, like the body speaks the language of the mind. If you think about water, cold water rushing over your head, you'll feel a sense of coolness or you'll feel that, if you feel it in the body, you'll feel something. Your brain, your body will take that symbol, how you attach to it and give you a feeling experience in the mind, in the body. The brain and I'm, when I say brain, I'm really speaking of like the, your higher cognitive functionings, right? Not your lower, you know, like the, the lizard brain, right? Which is still fully integrated into the body, right? Um, well, not maybe fully integrated, but fairly integrated. Um, but the, the higher brain does not speak the language of the body. That's the process, right? You know, like when I was joking around, like, you know, human language, that's what I'm talking about. Figuring out the language of the body and how the mind and the body can communicate to one another. When, and, I, and I, you know, that can be like the sensations, you know? And so like in Chinese, we always say, listen, you know, listen to the body. And that's a very purposeful word because we're trying to listen to the language of the body <clears throat> and learn it. And that's gonna be different for each person, you know? And this kind of gets around to like, you know, one of the things that you can look at that I, I often think about in my practice, and, and all these things are cycles and patterns, right? And I use these patterns to help inform my choices. Like, you know, when I'm, you're talking about how do I choose when to do this or how, to, I use these patterns because they're a tool, right? So I think to myself, like, what's, you know, these different aspects of yin and yang, right? Not the, the attributes that we associate with them, but different opposites. And so, you know, what is, let's say, is there a primal aspect of this? Something that is the great motivator for what we're doing, you know? Mm. What is it? What is the great motivator? Is it right and wrong? Is it, you know, good and bad? If that was it, why do people make so many bad choices knowing that they're bad choices, right? You're just gonna chalk it up to, you know, this is the kind of stuff you'll just chalk up to like, oh, well, you know, just because, because they didn't know any better. Um, because, you know, like they were taught differently, you know, whatever, we say all these things, but we're actually already kind of giving ourselves a clue at what I, for me, sort of define as the great motivator. And it's simply the known and the unknown, right? To me, like, why do people make bad choices? Because they know those patterns, 
right? And why do sometimes get people get stuck in the past? Because the past is known, right? Why do sometimes people get stuck in the future? Because the future is unknown, and maybe they don't like the narrative that they have in the present, and so they, the known is troublesome, and so they get stuck with the unknown, you know? Mm. And so it's not that you have to know everything. It's that, it's like, the way I look at it is like, I'm trying to figure out what am I supposed to know and what am I never going to know, you know? Or what do I at least have to wait a long time until I'm going to find out? And so it's like, okay, well, this is what I want to know. Well, now I want to know all of that, you know? Hmm. And here's the unknown. Well, okay, I don't know it, but maybe I'll postulate about what it is because that's entertaining and fun for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so understanding those different concepts, right, is like, you know, it helps you focus in on your practice. You know, I think, okay, well, maybe there's some unknown movements within my body, you know, as I get deeper in. Well, so I'm going to try to know them. I try to find them. Okay, well, I can't do this one movement. All right. I'm just never going to do it, you know? But then maybe I have to revisit that later on, right? Because you had said something earlier about, um, you know, uh, we're on this sort of like finite journey. I'm not sure if that's how you put it, but that's kind of how I look at it in my mind. And the tough thing is one of the, one, another, this prime motivator, right, is understanding that we are a finite part of an infinite process. And that is uh, both beautiful and frustrating because <laughs> we want to be on the infinite, right? We want to be on the infinite, but we also want things to happen to us, but we have to be on the linear for things to happen. You know, you can't just, you know, like, and for things to change, we can't just be on the infinite, but, but we look around us and we see the world and there's so much in the world that seems infinite that's ongoing. Right. And when that's, and when, and, and so we think, and we, part of us know that we are not at least not in, not that we are fully recognized, not in any way that's meaningful, you know, like at least to me, that's what I, you know what I mean? Like at this point to me at this moment now, maybe at the end of that finite journey, you know, um, it clicks over and I, I don't know, I get to spend the rest, uh, another round at Chuck E. Cheese my whole life. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like who knows? I don't know what's going to happen, but you, maybe you'll find out then. Right. And, and, um, but for now, for me at this moment, there is, I can't, you know, I don't have any other experience to draw from, from this, but except this one that I'm living right now, this, this linear pit position. And that's going to give me plenty to deal with. Like, man, you know what I mean? Me, that gives me so much to, yeah. to, to process. Like, I can't wait to go back and listen to this again because <laughs> there's so much gold here. Um, and, and I get, and probably many of us get caught up in that process of trying to figure stuff out and yeah. fix everything. And mm -hmm. like, we got to make it perfect. Yeah. And in that process, I feel like we realize that there is no perfection. It's already all perfect. Like there's no perfection we're going to find. It's going to be progress towards yeah. something that may be more understood. But can you ever fully understand something? And I, I constantly fight with this. It's like, okay, I feel like I, I think I got it. Actually, I know I got it. And then as soon as I, now I'm reflecting back, anytime I say I know I have it, there's something I'm missing. Because sure. yeah. the more you know, the less, or the more you realize you don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to the big, vast vat of knowledge. And you said something about like, okay, we're on this finite path, this infinite being or this infinite realm of time mm -hmm. and space, whatever it may be. Let's say it's outside of that. Right. Um, I want to dive into a couple of things that you had mentioned in the seminar that are kind of some you know, those universal connection points or universal principles. Right. But even more so, understanding that you know, when we, when we go into this process of learning and growth and trying to, to figure stuff out, it's like having that awareness that the brain is going to keep trying to figure it out to feed the mind that's almost yeah. behind the brain saying, I want to know this stuff. But yeah. it's, I think you said it best when you said we're remembering what we already know. Yeah. And it's not what we already know. It's what we, what we all already know. Yeah. 
It's just the process of, of remembering it is so much more enjoyable than knowing it. Right. So you, you remember these things and you go, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the feeling of being in the right place at the right time. And the more often we get to hit those connection points of being in the right place at the right time, the more we discover about the world, about ourselves, about each other, about how we are with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it fosters this, again, this space that's like the space didn't exist. But because we recognized and remembered and are understanding, mm-hmm. not underst- we don't understand, but we're in the process of understanding. That's, I think, what life is, is that now we get to connect to this, this source or this power or this energy, this this flow of we are part of our environment. We are not out external to our environment. The environment's not external to us. We are one and the same. Yep. Um, and I'm going to use those terms, and I hope you give me the the, the real terms here <laughs> or the, the way you've said them. But f- you said force, motion, awareness, connection, and essence. Yeah. And those words are things that have popped up, in a lot of things that I've read, and just they carry so much weight. I feel a gravitational pull towards those words. Yeah. Because I've experienced things internally and, and moved in ways and explored certain ways, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's when I was going to this more of a place of awareness, mm-hmm. and then oh my gosh, I felt like an essence of something here right. that was nothing. There's nothing really there, but it's a lot of mind. Like, yeah. could, do you mind diving into those and how they kind of uh, apply to like universal concepts and how we can see right the world? So, so you know, these concepts. Um, one thing I like to I like to preface with these is that you know these concepts came about organically. We, we tend to, because we're looking at this as a system, we're looking at something from almost in a, in a, from the opposite perspective, right? We're looking at it from the outside. So these, these practices, these physical practices, whether it's Tai Chi, yoga, these ones that are considered old, right? These evolved over time. Somebody didn't just come in with a theory one day and was be like, you know what, I bet there, we can do this thing and call it yoga where we're just going to bend people in a bunch of different ways and it's going to be good for them. You get, what do you guys think? Let's do a, a trial. You know, let's I'd be in. Let's explore this thing. Well, now people do it. Totally do it. That's how these, like, all these different little things pop up, all these different movement things. But these traditional ones that have been around for generations evolved through like a deeper connection and need, right? The need for these things was different when they first came around right? Different, but also the same, right? People lived more physical lives. So they had to feel their body a little bit more physically. So they had to keep the body and the mind more harmonious and they use their bodies differently, right? Our bodies are designed to navigate the world in a specific way, not the world we live in today. This is the world that we created, the stuff that we've developed, right? Our body evolution goes quick, but not that quick, right? So our bodies are still designed to navigate a different world, and our minds are designed to navigate a different world, right? So this is the world that we've made, and we've adapted quite well, and it's actually kind of fun. I like this world. It's enjoyable. <laughs> it's the only one we got, you know, and it's got coffee shops in it, so I'm happy. And, um, and so uh, the, by, because of this, you know, like these practices have a deep level of truth, right? And so when you do them, there is going to be an innate knowledge that comes out from the body, right? And, but these principles are going to come up. Now, these principles that come up through observation, and the Chinese for these are li, qi, yi, shen, and jing, okay? These represent something. They rep some, represent something beyond just a word, beyond just one simple thing. They represent an idea. They represent a state of being. They represent something very elemental. 
when we translate them in specific ways, we, we focus in and we bring a whole lot of context with it that might mean something different, right? And so these, these have standard English translations to them, right? Li, strength. Qi, energy. E, which I might have skipped earlier, not mentioning it, um, intention. Shen, spirit, and Jing, essence. These give us a certain connotation, right? They sound kind of lofty, spirit, essence, and energy. And it's like, well, now what do I do with it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it sounds cool, right? I've always been a very practical person. Like when I viewed these arts, when I first learned them, they had you know, all these great ideas. I was almost like, looked at the art and was kind of like, prove it, you know? And of course, the art just bounced it right back at me. I was like, no, you prove it, <laughs> you know? And so the way I look at it is like, these are things that need to be, that I want to experience and I want to prove. And so when, just because chi is energy and you tell me it's energy, that doesn't mean anything to me until it's just a word. And I can, if I can connect to it mentally and create these beautiful images in my mind of like lightning shooting out of my fingertips, like if some video game, but that, that's fun too. But you know, that's on the internal. <laughs> what about that's the what I thought it was. That's actually what I yeah. do daily yeah. Yeah. is imagine yeah. light rays yeah. flowing out of which my is, fingertips. Which is an awesome practice as well. But if you really want to get them to flow out, you got to do the other stuff too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so, you know, like as I, as I've practiced, I've kind of learned, I've experienced all these things. Nothing I teach is theoretical. Everything that I teach is something that I experience that physically and that I know deep down. So it, doesn't, so it doesn't really matter to me if somebody agrees with me or not, you know, or if somebody translates these differently or looks at them differently. I'm just like, whatever, it's, it's just is, you know? And so these elements can be combined in many different ways. They can be combined in positive ways, the negative ways, to build things, to destroy things, to maintain things, right? All these different things. So Li, strength, but it's not strength, it's force. Force has less judgment on it. Force can be a small force, a great force. It's just force. It's not connected to a thing. When we think strength, the first thing we think about is a person with muscles. That's not necessarily one only strength, right? Li doesn't just represent that. Li is force. It's a plowshare. A plow, like the blade of a plow, that's what the character looks like. You know, force to push a plow, right? Qi, energy. And all I'll say on that is, like energy is a result of what? Motion. Okay, think of something that is not motion. You know, I'll wait. <laughs> you know, like everything but is this motion. This mic is sitting still. This cup is sitting still. But yeah, go deep enough. Uh, there's something <laughs> moving in there. Go deep enough. Get down to like, I mean, you know, get into that like quantum physics type of way. Everything is motion, right? Except when you look at it and it stops, right? It's a particle. Okay, everything is motion. Chi is in everything. Chi is motion, just in different states. Okay, all of a sudden it becomes useful to me, right? So it's not, the, it's not the, the leaf on the water, it's not the water, it's the ripples of the water. But it's also the leaf, and it's also the water, right? You see? When the different elements I'm come... I'm not sure I see it. <laughs> <laughs> because because yeah. the elements of water are made up of motion, right? This all comes together, right? And so then, E, intention. But intention already has judgment. You're intending to do something. We don't want to do anything first. We want to do nothing. So what is it? Awareness. Awareness, right? Just being simply aware, you know, without judgment. And then, of course, as soon as you have awareness, almost instantaneously, you have sensation. And now sensation, same thing, no judgment, right? The sensation is just is. You haven't decided if it's good, if it's bad, or another attribute to put on top of it. So there you have Li, force. Qi, motion. E, awareness. After that, Shin, spirit. 
Okay, spirit is a great one, and it can be used in lots of different ways, but I like it with connection. It's connecting things. So I, I, the more my awareness can travel into a part of the body and connect with it, my spirit gets more, right? And, and that, what happens when you create that connection? You create space, right? You create room for your spirit and that connection to, to, to roam and, and be... Why, what do almost all these traditional arts talk about? Prana, chi, it's the breath, right? Mm -hmm. It's the breath is the most fundamental motion of the body, bringing it in and out. You move the body, that creates, that works with your spirit, right? And then Jing is a really confusing one and I'm still trying to figure it out. And there'll be people who read a lot of books who, will t who can say like, well, no, it's this and this and this. And this book says it's this. And I go, I, I know, I know what the books say. <laughs> but I wanna know what it means to me and I wanna feel it. So Jing is like, it's, it's what you have, it's your essence. It's what you start with, right? And it's what you add to it, and it's what you lose from it, right? So you, through this process of using force and motion and awareness and building connection, you are going to create, you can create something. This can be a creative process. And so you create more of this essence. Your essence changes. Maybe it becomes stronger. Maybe it becomes different. Maybe who you are changes, you know, life-changing experiences, right? Obviously, of course, all these elements, these elements are neither good nor bad. These elements can also be put together in a, in a destructive way. The force that you do, the motion that you create, the awareness that you have can be working together to take away stuff from you, to kind of destroy, right? So we, mm. You can refer to it as the creative cycle or the destructive cycle, which comes from the five element theories. And so, you know, you could be destroying your essence, right? And so that you can use these concepts and they work in lots of different ways. You can think, and it's almost like you can, it's like it becomes a, a mental exercise of saying, you know, let me look at these three things in this order. How do they affect one another? Well, now let me change the order. How do they affect one another? Now let me add a, third th a fourth thing in there and see what happens. Let me pull two things away and see what happens. <laughs> so it gives almost infinite ways of, of working on, your, on yourself. Of course, you have to figure those ways out, you know, and, you have to, and that's why having a system that is so mature as Tai Chi or as Chinese martial arts is very helpful because we were, you were talking earlier about people who go to like acupuncture stuff and feel good for a little while and then come back because, you know, we're trying arts, certain, certain practices, acupuncture, massage, they take one aspect of this experience and specialize it. And so where they, they're actually taking it out and they're digging that path out by specializing that experience. So you can travel that path back in, okay? But you need a central practice. Each person has to be their own best, um, you know, healer kind of thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. unless you have a central practice that all of, because all those practices, you go get a massage and, they, and that's a specialization that they have that helps you dig a path back down to your source. But if you get to that source and have nothing to do, right, you don't have a core practice that is your fundamental practice that you're doing daily, that helps you check in with the body, that builds, that teaches you that language that we were talking about, that human language of the body under, or the mind understanding the body, then you aren't going to get those practices or that, that deep level of change. You're just gonna get temporary change. And you're probably going to become really dependent on uh, those people who are doing it. You're going to be Which, like, you know, there, and there's nothing yeah. really wrong with that. I nope, think a lot of, not if all. you're in pain, dude, find something that's going to get you out of pain. Or if you're like a little stressed out, find yeah. something that's going to get you out of stress. Yep. But it's, it's a constant opportunity to reflect on your process and continue yeah. to refine that. And something you talked about earlier 
you know, at we we hit our peak, you know, at, mm. in our late twenties, right? Yeah. And so they said, right. you hit thirty, and it's like dial downhill from here. And it's like, <laughs> well, yes, if you look at it from the perspective of performance of fitness, yep. but that's not all there is. There's nope. there's an awareness. There's this there's this background humanness mm-hmm. that we're all a part of. That isn't English. It isn't Chinese. It isn't any other language. But being human, it's being right. I think right. I think the best way I could put it right now is being, and it's that act of now doing something after you did something and then doing nothing and then doing something and reflecting on this, doing nothing, doing something, doing nothing, doing something. And an example that I, I I had shared earlier today was actually I pulled a muscle. I felt like I earlier this week, I'd pulled a muscle. I went a little bit heavier. I was like, I'm going to grab the couple sandbags and throw them on my back. And I was like, I knew when I did that for whatever reason, I had this thought of like, ah, I shouldn't put that on me like this, but I did it anyway. I was like, (laughs) fuck it. So I threw it on there and immediately sandbags landed on me. It was a couple, it was 130 pounds. Right. This is a lot of weight came down on me just in an awkward way. And I was uh. like, oh, I feel like I just got jabbed in the shoulder blade. And like immediately yeah. I couldn't breathe fully. And I was like, I'm just going to finish my workout anyways. I'm going to push through this. But mm. I didn't do the full workout. I ended up stretching a little bit afterwards. But I'm paying for it, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of days later. Oh, yeah. But whether you said it telepathically, said it through <laughs> social media, I don't know what happened. But I was walking outside of my house. I, sh- I had opened the door. I walked outside. The sun was shining. And I was like, oh, the sun feels so good right mm. now. And I went to lift my head up to look, you know, to bring the sun to my face. I was like, oh, my shoulder. I was like, wait, wait, I just fought that thing. Yeah. What if I go back to where it hurt, but I don't, I don't have judgment now that I have a word for that. It was like, mm-hmm. I just was like, okay, I'm going to go to where it hurts, but then I'm going to breathe. And so I yeah. created motion. I stopped. I became aware of my sensation. I started breathing and I was like, ah, oh, I'm feeling restriction. And I felt no judgment beyond that point. I just felt awareness of mm-hmm. Hey, stay. I almost felt somebody saying, stay here. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Anytime that you feel uncomfortable, me. don't turn away. <laughs> turn towards the light. I was like, don't turn towards the light, you know? I was like looking at the sun. It was so metaphorical. Yeah. And yeah. immediately, three minutes later, of just breathing, uh-huh. I felt my neck clicking, my shoulder clicking. I felt about 90% better. And yeah. it's stuck. And it's been about five days. Yep. It's like, huh. You know, it's, it doesn't end there. I think that's like, it's that constant process of remembering that mm-hmm. you have that healing power to move without moving. You're the, just... The body will settling. heal itself. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the body always heals itself. Always. Unless it doesn't. And sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Shit. You know, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sometimes it doesn't. You know, let's just be honest, right? You know, like, but not, it, it needs a lot of help sometimes, right? It needs a lot of help. And, and that's why, you know, sometimes you need to go to other people. You know, you, you, nothing's enough on your own, on its own. You know, like you need to go to others because, like you said, everything's kind of like a. We're all trying to dig deeper into something. You know, and there's, there's always something beyond what we're doing. And so, you know, like you know, going to like you know, doing having your central practice that's important, and then ex- refining that practice over time, changing it over time is necessary, and then exploring all these other things without judgment. Go try acupuncture. Go get Reiki. Go get you know. Um, ART massage, go do a float tank, you know, go do on a high, you know, do all these things because like, this is how you, you sort of learn to allow different. And I, and I get so lost in these like fundamental concepts. I'll just start saying motion, motion, motion. Everyone's my words is going to be like the Charlie Brown teacher, but it's just going to be with the word motion, 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 motion. But people will still absorb it because you're <laughs> saying, like, wow, yeah, that's so profound. Yeah, everything is motion, right? Um, you know, <laughs> Ways to allow different motion to pass through you. 
I mean, on a physical sense, on an emotional sense, we always say, oh, you must live without attachments. It's like, man, I got attachments on my spine. I got attachments on my pelvis. I got, this is, we this, are built with attachments. I got, atta- <laughs> I got to like release the scar tissue down here, which is just an adhesion, which is an attachment. You know, like mm. it's just the same thing physically and mentally, you know? And so learning how to let those things through, both physically but also mentally through these different experiences, right? Because we'll have a lot of times when you get into these specialized practices, your mental blockages come in as well because you're going to be like, I'm a CrossFit guy. I'm not a this guy or I'm a yoga person. I don't do weightlifting. You know what I mean? And, and like you have to define yourself. You can't just be all the time. I do everything. You know, it's like, no, you, you know, like there is, you, uh, in a, if the, if the, everything is motion, then the body is a pressure system. The pressure system needs to brace and it needs to release. And so sometimes you have to define the lines of who you are, what you're into, what you like to do, but then you have to explore the other areas so those lines stay clean and stay smooth and so you can stay true to who you are and not get pulled all these other directions, you know? And so, like, that's done through oftentimes exploring those other areas and those judgments in what you do. And for me, it's in training. I always, like, it's so interesting. One of my most influential teachers, um, his name is Andy Dale, and, I mean, he is amazing, um, I hear his voice in my head all the time. I hear the principles he said all the time. I had been living in Japan, and I was training Tai Chi there with this really interesting guy. Um, he was French, and, um, and he was in Japan learning the sword. And, uh, and his teacher made him teach. And he was like, um, I'm going to, you're going to be here for nine months. That's how long I was in Japan. And you can only, I could teach you what Tai Chi is, but I can't teach you the form or anything. So for, for nine months, all I did was stand and walk. And so I had this idea that, oh, okay, I felt it. Big, profound change in my body. So I moved to Seattle, and I was going to learn. I wanted to find a teacher because he's like, okay, now you know what it is. You can go find a teacher. And so there's this teacher there, Andy. And on paper, I was like, this guy's too good to be true. He does, like, five different arts, uh, like, super, like, this seems super random, like, the ones he does. He's been doing them forever. Too good to be true. Nobody could be good at all this kind of stuff. And so I went, and I literally visited every single teacher um, in, in Seattle, and I saved him for last purposely because I was like, there's no way. I was like, oh, he's too good to be true. I'll put him last. And I saw him, and like within about five minutes of watching class and watching him move, I was like, no, he's, this is the best, right? This is, this is the guy. This is the guy for me. And so right from that beginning, I realized that, and there's all these different ways to do it. You know, like you can do the hard stuff, the soft stuff. You don't have to like stay in one lane, you know? I've gone, you know, so I do you know, meditation where like, I'm just standing there and breathing and like, you know, trying to go as deep as possible. But then I do, you know, sparring and Chinese wrestling where you're trying to throw people on the ground. And then, you know, you go play with swords for a while because that's fun. But then you go play with weights and then you do more meditation or you do breathing. You know, it's like you explore all of it, you know, and, and over time your preferences will change and what works for you will change and your process will refine because that's really it, right? You're trying to refine your process, what you need over time. And if you start with your judgments, you add in a system and you see what happens over time. Right. And you feel, you see how those two things come together. And then, um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, but it's always the process, right. Of knowing and, um, and moving forward. And so that's kind of how I look at it. And so for my students, you know, I get students that I always say that people come in through a lot of different doors. You know, some people come and they're like, I want to do Tai Chi. And I'm like, great, let's do Tai Chi. And then after like six months, I'm like, you should do some Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) Or some people come in like, I want to do Kung Fu. And I'm like, great, let's do Kung Fu. And like six months later, you should do some yoga. You know, like I try to sneak it in and like, yeah, you know, like give them some, because this is going to help, you know, and, 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 uh, 
as long as you're aware of the process and trying to just go deeper into it. Yeah, all paths will lead back home. Yeah, always back to the well, source. Sonny, man, you are a true explorer. It's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure talking to you, and I'm sure we will have deeper conversations in the future. I love um, it, yeah. I'm looking forward to the next time you come back here just to continue to dive deeper and awesome um, and get after it. And I'm sure our community is going to be happy as well. So <laughs> yeah. uh, where can people find you? On Instagram, on Facebook? What's, uh, what's the, how do people best find you? I'm, uh, mostly I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can look up Sequoia Kung Fu and Yoga on Instagram or just look up Sunny Manon. Um, I, I, I go by there on another account as well. Um, Facebook every once in a while. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly on Instagram is where you'll get all the up-to-date news and see where I'm teaching and when I'm going to be someplace. And, um, and besides that, you know, we're just down in little Visalia teaching classes every day. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah, it looks like you guys got a website too, Sequoia Kung yep. Fu and yoga.com, mm-hmm. among others. So Yeah, and we do, we do a lot of like online stuff because we're a pretty small school, so we wanted to provide a lot of opportunities for our students. So we like, you know, we do live stream classes every once in a while. I have like online resources for students, you know, so they can, um, you know, like... Uh, Technology can be great, you know, if it facilitates, you know, your progress. And so we try to embrace that as much as we can and using it in a, in a way that um, allows people to go deeper in and not, you know, not feeding a, a, a compensation or a dysfunction, <laughs> you know. So, so, yeah, they can check that out. Right on, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Thanks, I'll see man. you soon. Yeah. I was, this was great. I had a lot of fun. So be easy to get me back. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed through the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag gymnasio podcast. That's hashtag gymnasio podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnasioedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.